Welcome to Self-Proclaimed Intellectual. You've just got to smile and hang out with intelligent people. Hey, since you started recording, yes. you know what we haven't done in a really long time? Shower? <laughs> I don't know about your beard. It's pretty pretty musty. Yeah. But uh, we haven't actually introduced ourselves in a long time. You know, this is kind of actually slightly awkward. Not awkward. <laughs> um, coincidental. I was I was listening to a few podcasts for the week, and one of them it's either American Life or um one of the other ones, but they they say who they say them. I'm Chad. Well, who's Chad? Chad, Chad Album. Chad. Is it uh, is it Radio Lab? Radio Lab. Yeah. yeah. And they hey. say, they introduce themselves <laughs> at the very beginning. They say I'm Chad, and like every single time, I'm like, I wonder if we should do that. Yeah. Just it's like to, it's almost just, just like a bump. name out there. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm hey, I'm, I'm Travis Lane, <laughs> and I'm Adam Dreher. <laughs> And we're the self-proclaimed <laughs> the intellectuals. intellectuals. So, self-proclaimed. We can we can just copy theirs exactly. Self-proclaimed professionals. Not even. <laughs> no. Not no. a chance. <laughs> self-proclaimed. We have a podcast. <laughs> we have a podcast. <laughs> Welcome. To the greatest introduction of all time. Adam. Yes. <laughs> have you ever been to a doctor? <laughs> That's gonna be our, our our just our go to, right? That's the thing, yeah. If I got nothing else, that's the thing. I have, Travis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Last week I had a nasty rash all over my <laughs> son's leg. Okay. <laughs> no, well, actually, he does have a rash, but we didn't take him to the doctor. I have eczema. Do you? Oh yeah. 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 Look, you can see me breaking out right here. Oh, look at that. To our to our listeners, Ooh, I'm gonna uh, hold it up to the microphone. We'll put that in the show notes. You can see this little rash <laughs> that I've got on my on my wrist. Interesting. So you know it comes and goes, but huh. uh, you know, <laughs> and here's our segue, Adam. Okay. It always it always comes up. We yeah. can always connect it. That's that's how we know we're true yeah, professionals. Exactly. So I went to I started having eczema. So it's kind of this itchy rash, you know, yeah. uh, kind of like psoriasis. Yeah. Um, when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, I first noticed okay. it. And uh, I went to the doctor, and it's this old man. Yeah, I went to, like, the skin doctor. What are they, yeah. what are they called? Skin doctor. No, there's a, there's a name for it. <laughs> yes, I know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, and so it's this, this old dermatologist. man. Dermatologist. Dermatologist, thank yes. you. The shaky old guy who, like, he would, he would take my hand and was, like, Visibly shaking as he was looking at me. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, I think it's, I think it's this." Was he, he right? Was, he he was like, "I think it's a, I think it's a reaction to neosporin." And I was like, hmm. "I don't think that's correct." <laughs> and so <laughs> I went on, and you know, he said basically, "Here's this stuff to put on there, yeah. but don't put any neosporin on it because you react to it." So I still haven't used Neosporin since, believe it or not. Are you just do you do you really think that that might have had something to do with it? I have no, I I really don't because I didn't believe the doctor. Yeah, and so that's kind of where I'm going with this is that I went to that doctor and I was like, I frankly I just don't trust him because yeah. what he said didn't make any sense yeah. to me and it didn't help. Yeah. So tell us about the show today, Adam. Well, we're gonna talk about doctors. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now before we start, before I tell you exactly, I mean, I I. I feel that we might come off a little bit. No, I don't. I won't say that. maybe. Maybe on the portion about um, should doctors be more transparent? But I don't. I, I definitely don't want us to feel like we're attacking doctors by any stretch. All right. Um, Good disclaimer. I've had, I've had the same doctor since. I mean, I can remember. I I was. I'm. He birthed me. No, my wife. Birthed, my mother birthed <laughs> me. He was there though, and I mean, I I've always had him, uh-huh. and I, I I have complete trust in him. Um, 
went with him, went to him a while back for something. And, and I just appreciated how he said, you know, this is what I would do. He gave me like four or five options. And he said, this one I would pick. And I picked it and it worked out perfect. I mean, I have complete trust in him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, this isn't attacking doctors, but I think, um, I think we should all be open to a, possible changes within our profession. Sure. Well, and, and a lot of what we do up, is so. we ask questions, right? Yeah. And so we say, hey, this is an interesting topic. And I think a lot of what we do too is we, <clears throat> we kind of question your perception of things, yeah. you know? Um, and there are people that really don't trust doctors because of these things or because yes. they've heard of these things. Uh, and that's not necessarily good either. Well, and, that's, and, I, and I feel their pain too. You know, I don't, I don't want them to feel that we're attacking them. And, and a lot of people, if, if somebody discusses your profession – Especially bringing up issues that you that they think yeah. should change, you instantly get defensive, and I understand that because if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of discussion about teachers mm-hmm. in the news these days, and a mm-hmm. lot of it's negative because it's all our fault. I'm open. I believe there should be a lot of changes. I'm open to discussion. So that disclaimer said, we have three main areas we're going to talk about today. Um, what doctors buy, as in regarding medical things, medical things. Um, how doctors die. I just I just put those together because they rhymed. Oh, it's good, good call. Last. <laughs> and then um, doctor transparency, which is we'll get a little a little more into exactly what that means. But let's just start with um, probably will be the shortest part, which is a uh, what do doctors buy? Okay. And uh, so <laughs> so what, what I'm talking about here is like you know and this this comes into play now a lot with my family is you know, so if my four year old is sick and I go to Walgreens, I. If it's for my son, I buy name brand because there's some part in the back of my mind that says if there's any slight chance mm-hmm. that it'll work better, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So that because the cost is is negligible to you, you know, yes. five dollars versus two dollars is like mm-hmm. whatever. I'm skipping a happy yeah. meal, yeah. you know. And so and so what we're talking about here, as far as what we buy, is we're you know generics versus name brands. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so in the case of a four year old too, do you tell your son what? Uh, kind of medicine he's getting or does he see it or do you just offer a pill and say hey take this it'll make you feel better what do you mean by what kind he doesn't know the difference between a generic and a main right so i was i was <clears> thinking <throat> that because you know kids are very strongly affected by marketing they they can't they don't have the context to understand you know tylenol is something you hear a commercial for yeah whereas what's the Walgreens? Wallinol. <laughs> Walgreens? I know they had like Wallfed instead yeah. of Sudafed. Yeah. So I had just assumed, you know, Wall, yes. Wallinol. Wallinol. That's really tough to say. <laughs> really? To all yeah. our listeners out there, copy with us, Wallinol. Wallinol. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if he had seen a commercial, yes. then he might have that perception yeah. that Tylenol Which he is doesn't better. Yet. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have that perception yet. And, and like I said, even after a lot of my research and knowledge of this, I, mean, I there's just that part of me. That for him, I want that that chance. Now, if it's for me, I I, I buy generic everything when it comes to medication. Sure. Because, which is it's it's interesting that I can see that within my own brain that there's a total disconnect there. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> but so I did an experiment with on I guess I should say my <laughs> wife not long ago, and she was having some you know like it wasn't anything severe. She had some headache or cold symptoms, whatever okay. it was. Does she know about this experiment, or is this going to be? A she she does that? because okay. I got found out. She wasn't uh, mad about it, okay. so I can I can talk about it on you know on yeah. radio here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she uh, she sent me out to go get some drugs for you mm-hmm. know whatever it might have been ibuprofen or something. And they had the name brand and they had the off brand or the generic. Yeah. And I said, hmm, experiment. I'm going <laughs> to, I know that she, if she goes and buys stuff, most of the time will buy the name brand. Yeah. And so what I did. Did you put the 
Did you buy both and put the uh, no, generic? No, I didn't let her see the box. Okay. So she was laying in bed. She wasn't feeling good. Yeah. I bought the generic brand, and I took a pill out, and I brought it to her with a glass of water, and I said, yeah. here you go. And she took it, and that was and, the experiment. I wish I, had, I wish did I had interesting results. I don't think she did. Okay. But uh, – but she shortly thereafter, like forty five minutes after, came into the kitchen and saw the box, and I was like, "Dang it!" And did she claim? She then, did, 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 did she then claim that it didn't? She didn't feel quite as good as she thought she would have. She she was up and walking around, so yeah. she must have felt better. I guess so. Boom. What is the name brand of ibuprofen? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's the active ingredient, isn't it? Yes. I, it's ibuprofen. Is, uh, is Tylenol know. or Advil or one of those? Tylenol is a acetaminophen. I know that just. You know, because I know. And see, that was that that shows my un un knowledge of all that too. Because I I I didn't know which what, what name brand was ibuprofen. Because I just got the bottle that says, uh, yeah, yeah, ibuprofen. You yeah, know, I mean, off brand. the idea is you can look for the same active ingredient, and most yeah. of the time they're right next to each other, yes, right? Yeah. So legally, I think yeah. they they pretty much and, have to. And be. usually the off brand is a slight change in the name, like Wall and All. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so having said that. What is it that doctors buy? Well, um, I got a I got a chart here off of NPR. NPR has a few pretty decent articles about this, but um, one of theirs has a number of uh, charts about it because they also compare chefs and what chefs buy. Chefs buy generic and stuff. Oh, for um, like like food ingredients. Still, it's chef, all. Does a chef buy name brand food or okay. generic food when they so go? Does a when, professional when buy name yeah. brand? Yeah, versus so generic. that's what kind of what okay. they're going here. Does, does does a doctor buy name brand? And it's a very uh, it just it's a chart that shows the uh, um, the things that they're most likely to buy generics for. Okay. Um, and so let me just go over a few of these: uh, Aleve, sleeping pills, Epsom salts, ibuprofens, laxatives, um, arthritis pain remedies, iron tablets, and minerals, nasal decongestant, Pepto-Bismol, um, Bayer aspirin tablets. Uh, allergy tablets, Tylenol, Band-Aids are all on the side of doctors buy more of those than generics. Interesting. See, that seems to me like a lot of uh, a lot of your most common things. Most common ones, yes. Wow. And then let's go on the other side. So ones they buy mostly name brands, um, Alka-Seltzer is like by far the, is their biggest one. Doctors oh, so... buy, buy name brand Alka-Seltzer okay. when it okay. comes to that. Um, now this is what confused me because at the top, one of the top things that it says doctors buy generic is sleeping pills. Okay. And then at the very bottom, it says one of the top things that doctors buy as um, name brand is sleeping aid tablets. Interesting. What's the difference between a sleeping pill and a sleeping aid tablet? Maybe a sleeping aid. I know there's two types. One puts you to sleep. One keeps you asleep. Mm. So maybe that's interesting. Uh, maybe but that then is um. The difference. One of the greatest ones that, and it seems like ointments, but one of the greatest ones that uh, doctors buy um, name brand of is rectal medication ointment. Okay. So, you know, maybe you're just looking for the better ones there. Cotton rounds, migraine tablets, fabric bandages, contact lens solution, eye drops, rubbing alcohol, hydrogen peroxide, um, which which a lot of those, you know, your bandages and your cotton rounds and stuff like that is just like a manufacturer quality yeah which makes sense to me because you've you've probably used the difference between a, a crappy band-aid and a <laughs> really right. one of those really awesome like canvas ones that like stays on, on for yeah. weeks and so um maybe maybe they the ones like those those common medications that's obvious that the just the ingredients have to be exactly the same because of regulations compared to if it's just manufacturing so sure but yeah there's a couple of things that 
it could really be. You know, one is one is price sensitivity. And I think that for doctors, that's probably uh, if they're buying it off the shelf, if it's not some sort of a heavy medical treatment thing, then doctors probably don't really care. So the fact that they're buying, you know, Tylenol, acetaminophen uh, generic. Yeah. A doctor can most likely afford to buy name brand Tylenol uh-huh. if they want to, yeah. which says something just extremely strongly about the quality of that product. Yes. They acknowledge that it's, a, you know, functionally everything's the same because They're they could the throw away yeah. that $3 extra yeah. and not care. Yeah. If it made any bit of a difference. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know, price sensitivity, functional difference. I also think one of the things uh, is, um, how should I say it? Uh, you know, so so you you mentioned the the rectal cream, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, I think that it's something that if you perceive as going on a sensitive area, the eyes, eye drops were yes. also on the yeah. name brand side. Yeah. Then maybe there's a perception that again, that's worth it for some level of comfort. Well, and I or... wonder too if if maybe on the we'll just keep on the rectal cream or maybe ointments in general. If if you know, and and ibuprofen, it's it's ibuprofen, uh-huh. but maybe on some of those creams. So, Maybe it's not as as medically strength, you know, technical on the what's regulated. So they could add maybe the name brands add a few more moisturizers or a few more things. Yeah, that's that make a really it good slightly. Point. What if it's less better. greasy or yeah, exactly. something like that? As some an of, yeah, some mm-hmm. of those things that's not it's not as as, as strict of ingredients that you so, can. Add yeah, to stuff, you know, so. once you once you put something in your body. Your digestive system is going to take care of it, whatever yeah. it is, right? Yep. But if you're putting it on your skin, on the then you have to deal with that, and you have yeah. to. So I don't know. And in those, like you said, those are things where the active ingredient is important. That's hopefully doing the the healing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the non-active ingredients yeah. can make a big difference too. You know, generic Walgreens brand uh, skin lotion versus Bath and Body Works yeah, scented exactly. lotion makes... is a different product. I mean, if it smells like cucumber melon, you know it's. It's just more. It's just better to have on you. They brought to you by Bath and Body Works, <laughs> sponsored by Bath and Body Works. Um, you know, the whole point of this, I and mean, that's pretty much all I have. Is just a is real basic. But the whole point of this to me is is why we don't look at what doctors are doing more. Yeah. You know, they are the professional in that. I mean, we buy we we want the shoes that basketball players are wearing. Yeah. You know, we want the things that the top people in their fields have. It's an interesting comparison. So why would we not? Do with doctors. Yeah. I think there's a visibility question. So you don't know what your doctor goes out That's true. and buys. Yep. Whereas you know what shoes LeBron if, James wears. And if you know what your doctor buys, it's because he's been put out there on a commercial paid off by one of the top companies. <laughs> so he of course he's saying I'm I buy, you know, sure. leave because coming coming to you next section. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh I, I also think that uh this is one of those things where a lot of people watch basketball and so they sh- yeah. they see product placement for shoes but not a lot of people are really paying attention to the medical establishment and the behavior of doctors or that's, they, they that's do. reserved for the nerdy intellectuals right <laughs> or they do see a lot of commercials for it but it's for the name brand stuff that's exactly and right they, so, and they so, have so that. there's just there's just i think there's just no there's no no a lot of people just don't go past surface level and say why am I buying name brand? Sure. Well, there is a there is a very very strong correlation and it's not easy to find or it's not difficult to find this online that Almost linearly, uh, the buying of generics increases with education level yeah. of the purchaser. So you're much more likely, <laughs> if you're educated, to buy a generic. But I still find it funny because I'll look at this and I'll, and I'll and I'll be able to 
logically say it's it's pointless to buy name brand over stuff that I know is not different. But again, when I go buy stuff for my son, sure. <laughs> Who knows? Well, and there There's, is the marketing and that whole name, that brand recognition is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So. I think I think what's going to come out in this podcast, in a lot of ways, is is that humans are more emotional than rational, and I think that with education, yeah. you teach yourself that rational side, yeah. and and not to suppress, but to at least understand and acknowledge yeah. how much emotions going into things. Yep. Um, so also the placebo effect is a very real thing. Uh-huh. And if you think that you're getting a more effective product or you think you're getting a less effective product, yep. that can make it be the case in a lot Absolutely. of instances. And in a lot of, ca- in a lot of cases, is that a bad thing? I mean, if, if I'm buying a name brand for three or four more dollars and, and that a placebo effect is, is on top of what it's already going to do, is that three or four more dollars still worth it? Right. Because in ways, it might still be helping me more Yep. because of that belief. Yep. Interesting. Well, I think, I think that'll take us into... Dr. Transparency, because there's more I want to say <laughs> on kind of the perception of how humans um, understand these kind of things. Yeah. And, and we acknowledge uh, that the placebo effect is a real thing, that your perceptions do have some impact on the yeah. actual outcome. So let's talk about Dr. Transparency, okay. and then and then we'll continue on that. So I think the Dr. Transparency is going to be the one that, that makes us feel a little bit against doctors. Okay. We're not. But maybe the profession, every profession needs to take a step back and ask itself, should we change things up? Um, so, Le- Leanna Wynn, is that how you say it? it what? Is it N-G-U-Y-E-N? <laughs> W-E-N. Oh, well, then I'm Le- sure. <laughs> L-E-A-N-A Wynn. Wynn? Leanna Wynn? That anyway, sounds good to me. She's a, she's a doctor, um, and she's, been on some, she's had one or two, at least, uh, TED Talks. And she started a website called whosmydoctor.com. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that had, um, as Roy pushed, uh, transparency of doctors for us to know. Basically, one of the biggest areas is how they're getting paid. Okay. Um, because and to, just to run down just the real, real simple idea of is is if if my doctor is getting is getting paid by a specific pharmaceutical company um, to push their drug, and I go in and I have an issue. And there might be a certain drug that might be a little bit better for me, for me, but the company that is pay, pay, paying him, their drug will kind of work for me, and so he gives me that drug, mm-hmm. you know, I, because he is employed partly by them. Is mm-hmm. that is that a good thing? And so what she's pushing to do is is for doctors to say, this is where I get my money. This is who I'm kind of connected with, and for us to have complete knowledge of. Of who we're dealing with, right? So there's that understanding that this was prescribed to me, yeah, um, and it is not something uh, that is maybe typically prescribed by somebody that's, yeah. And that's, I think it's important to be able to look at other people too in that instance. You know, here are my mm-hmm. symptoms. Here's what I was diagnosed with. What is the leading <laughs> or what is the typical yeah. uh, treatment method? And is that what I'm being given? Well, and she's and I and I encourage you guys to listen to her talks because it's it's um it's pretty powerful. She's got a lot of experience with it. She doesn't just she just she's a doctor number one and number two she she had a lot of instances that this happened to her. I mean, I believe it was her mother who had cancer and um the doctor um the doctor <laughs> the doctor prescribed you know just general chemotherapy or something along those lines and um. Whether it worked or not, I don't recall, but she found out later that that whatever had, he had prescribed, the doctor had a direct connection to, mm-hmm. was getting paid by that company. And then um, started to question, if we had looked at other routes, 
my mother could still be alive or, you know, different things like that. So it's, it was, it's, she's, she's got a lot of good points. Here's what's interesting about it. She started a website to try to get doctors to be more transparent and say who's paying them, what their beliefs are about, about um, drugs and different stuff and kind of where they come from. And, you know, just so we really know why they're prescribing what they are. And she had an insane amount of um, anger from it. Hmm. From doctors. pharmaceutical companies or from doctors. doctors? Okay, doctors did not want to do it. We're absolutely against it. I was on her website the other day. It could have changed by now, um, but I counted forty doctors that are a part of her her um, ongoing thing. <laughs> Which forty out is of America? Tiny, yeah, yeah forty nothing. doctors. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's kind of, I mean, it's it's why why are doctors so afraid of it? And I understand there are prob- there are some good reasons, or they do have you know they don't want to put all that out there. But I ask myself. And this is, you know, this is getting to other things, but it's all part of it. I ask myself, would I want to do that in my profession? And could we apply this to other professions? Hmm. I'm a teacher. I, I I have direct connection for, you know, a whole school year with 25 kids. I, you know, that's a whole year of their life. That's yeah. a huge impact. Should the, should the parents know more about, about me, mm-hmm. my beliefs, my philosophies on education and um, even other stuff? I mean, I, I know I have a, I know of a, a teacher in another district that on the side owns a bar and does some different stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's bad. But should it be dis- disclosed? So yeah, that, yeah. I mean, because if you have some parents that are really against that or are really against certain things, is it a bad thing that um for parents to know that? Hmm. And I understand that can get into sticky. I mean, you know, what if, what if a certain person is a certain religion? A teacher is a certain religion. Right, And a right. parent doesn't want that type of religion teaching my kids, well... And I've taught, I'm, you know, I believe in a specific thing and I've taught kids of all different branches and there's never been any issues. So I can understand how that could start coming into Mm -hmm. some problems. But Hmm. I found it, I found it a little, I don't know, just kind of interesting that so many doctors were against it. You know, the other, the other, or at least an other alternative to that is that they just, it's a hassle to go on there and to say, hey, this is what I prescribe and this is everyone that I'm associated with. Whereas you know, uh, trust me, if we've had yeah. good, uh, if we've good rapport, and I've taken care of you so far, then why would you not trust me in the future? But it was, but what's what you know? I looked at, I didn't look at all forty doctors on there, but I, I scanned over quite a few of them, and basically what it lists is you know kind of where they went to school, but then you know where have have you gotten any money from any companies? Have right. you gotten any money from this? Have you gotten money from this? Have you gotten gifts? And every doctor I looked at said said zero. Uh-huh. <laughs> so to me, that's just totally telling because a doctor, I didn't find a doctor on him that, that said, yes, I get, I get money from this pharmaceutical company. Right. Because that so either they're be... not, they're not disclosing the, you know, <laughs> handful of people that yeah. are on the website or, uh, yep. it's being selected out because there's, you know, it's what? an opt-in thing and you're opting in yeah. to disclose more than you want to. I can, un- I can completely understand why a doctor would not want to post on there. <laughs> right. I get money from these places because uh-huh. that would totally, that if I found out, despite the fact that my history with him and how much I trust him, if I found out my doctor was getting large amounts of money or just any money from a specific company, that'd make me start questioning instantly, mm-hmm. especially if he um, prescribed that drug to me. Mm. I'd have to ask myself, are you just why? Are you, <laughs> you'd be you know? like, you'd be like, what? What does this drug do? He's like, oh, it'll it'll solve your hernia. Yeah, I came in with a sore throat. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it'll do that too. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's I can complete. I can understand from a doctor's point of view, or from even from a teacher's or any other profession. I, I was trying to think of what other professions might this could we apply this to that we would that we would want 
you know more transparency from right. politicians, sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So another thing that I thought of on the doctor transparency was um, how much of the treatment and the procedure do you describe to your patient? So here again, it's a question of uh, humans being emotional versus rational and understanding risks well. And, you know, if you if you tell somebody that it's a, a high-risk procedure, what does that mean? To, yeah. You know, to me as a, you know, whatever I am, as an engineer, as an analytical person, uh, then I would say, you know, high risk is 90% or above. Yeah. But depending on the severity of the operation and the outcomes, some people may say 25%. Is yeah. too high of a risk. Yeah, especially if it's coming to yeah your life. Or... And so then you get into this place where you need to be because personal care is intensely personal, right? Yeah. It's your yeah. body. It's it's what you are. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also different for everybody. Yeah. And so doctors don't have the time or the capacity. And medicine, frankly, isn't at a place where it's personalized. Yeah. You know, if if you take an Advil and I take an Advil it may affect us differently. We have different genetics, different yeah. body composition, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard. In fact, I think right now it's probably impossible without personalized medicine to personalize care to the degree that people would really like. Yeah. So. When, and, and, and the other side of this too is if, if, if the issue is doctor transparency, is if the issue is, you know, we want to know what these doctors are, how their doctors are getting paid, where they're getting their money, what connections they have, who they're aligned with, so that we know who to choose or who not to choose, and we all that. Why don't we just end those alignments? Why don't we just end the ability for doctors to get money from pharmaceutical companies, or end the ability for pharmaceutical companies to take doctors out to lunches and yeah. buy stuff and do all those things, right. so that there isn't that um, skewing of of what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about before, but pharmaceutical companies are kind of perceived as the bad guys, right? Yeah. But it's so expensive and so tedious to develop these drugs. And, yeah. and maybe without a way to effectively market those drugs, we wouldn't get as that's many true. new medications as we yeah. have. Now that's always debatable, because, but that's because the other then, side. Because then it'd be completely left up to the doctors to do all of the research to find out what all the new drugs are and the exactly. best ones. And that's going to be impossible for them too. And, and the it's already hard enough for them to keep up. Right. And so. the development of those drugs is often billions of dollars. And, uh-huh. you know, mom and pop pharmacy cannot yeah. undertake that kind of research yeah. and development. There's a lot of, and yeah, and this, this definitely is one just one sided, one completely one sided for me. It's not just like, oh my God, doctors should tell us everything. <laughs> I understand right. there's a lot of issues there, but it is definitely. I just I just found it fascinating that there were so many doctors so strongly against this. Hmm. You know, if if they brought something up like this for teaching and said, you know, we would like to know where you got your degree and and just your philosophy on education and I don't, you know, do you have any other I don't know business interests right. or you know what are your I mean, maybe you know I don't, there's got to be some limit because obviously I, I'm not going to tell them you know, my personal hobbies or, you know, what I do <laughs> from nine to 10 at night uh-huh. and all this kind of weird stuff. So I would, I would be fine for at least that base layer. Sure. I have no issue with that. Yeah. So you have to wonder if those people uh, that were so strongly against it were because they didn't want that transparency to happen. Um, because again, because of the hassle, because yeah. I, no, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to do this to be respected or taken seriously. Yeah. Or if it's because no, I don't want people to see what's behind the curtain. Well, that's a good point too, because I could see a lot of teachers saying, no, I can do my job. I can do the a fantastic job without 
any of those other things um, getting in my way yeah. without them affecting me. Right. You don't need to know those things because they don't affect me. So I can see that's that side of it too. But hmm. there you go. Let me ask you this, Adam. Uh, okay. If uh, if I told you that, I'll give you a choice. Would you okay. rather? Ten mm-hmm. percent chance that you're gonna get punched in the shoulder, or one percent chance. That you're gonna get shot in the shoulder. What would you take? Uh, punched. And why is that? Because it was, uh, I guess, in my lack of knowledge of punching incidents, I would imagine that it would cause less damage. So, and here's uh, where I'm getting with that. Yeah. Is that when we estimate probability or when we choose what we're gonna do? Yeah. We include the severity of the outcome. In the calculation. So you were willing to ignore that it's 10 times less likely to happen for being shot. You know, if I'm going to roll a a 100-sided die, it's not going to be a 1 very often. Yeah. Uh, So you were willing to take 10 times the risk because... Lack I don't know. Did you did you do a calculation and say that the gunshot is 10 times or more, (laughs) more, you know, harmful... Oh, I guess yeah. Mentally, I guess I would have gone through that. That that the the gunshots can be probably far more harmful than that. Um, possibly, you know, life life changing. Sure. Rest, you know, for the rest of your life, it's just it could affect you. Or, or punch, pain or whatever. Mm-hmm. A punch, even if drastically hard one, would most likely not be for the rest of your life. Right. Right. So, in the so, shoulder. Yeah. I don't, my face is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be punched or shot in the face because. <laughs> Be terrible. Well, I think <laughs> most people don't want to be. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, I'm not that good looking. Go ahead. <laughs> the, I guess the point there is that uh, you know people are really bad, and that's that emotional rational thing. Yeah. Uh, not to say you made the wrong decision. I made the right choice. But people are really bad at estimating. You know, uh, if you have a one in a hundred chance of dying, or, or uh, let's see, if it's the same outcome but a different time scale. So if I tell you you're gonna die in the next forty years, yeah, you're like, all right, I, you know, I, okay, fine, okay, seventy <laughs> something, it's yeah. fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but if I told you that you're gonna die you in the next how old I was. hour, yeah, well, like a decade, I think people could probably <laughs> figure it out. But if I told you that you were gonna die in the next hour, that changes things. You yeah. would be upstairs right now telling your kids and wife that you love them and telling them goodbye, right? Yeah. So, like so the same outcome, but a different uh, time scale changes mm. things. Oh, yeah. And then the severity of the outcome yeah. changes things. And I just, I don't know. I think that people are really bad at assessing both of those. Uh, not because they're stupid or uneducated. You know, I'm, well, I'm in this the boat emotion, too. That's is, right. A, that's very, yeah, emotions are very powerful. So, I don't know. So that's one of the things with Dr. Transparency that, you know, this procedure has a 99.5% success rate. Yeah. Okay, but if it's death, <laughs> then that 0.05% starts looking pretty bad, you know? Yeah. One in 200 people dies from this. Yeah. Uh, and you estimate that risk a lot higher than it is. Yeah, it's true. So... Well, and I just... And, you know, and the same... Along with the transparency, too, I just feel on the doctor's side, if you're more transparent and people judge more... Because did you... Re- have you not, have you ever recognized that people judge a lot around in, in America? <laughs> I guess we're very we judge, but you know, I'm, a, if, I'm a 20 year old white male. Nobody judges me, man. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, if if our doctor, you know, if your doctor, and like I said, I would do it. if my doctor, if I found out suddenly that he's getting you know money from a certain company, I would start kind of 
judging him on sure, that. Sure, you make a snap reaction. And, so, and no, most no, of the time, no, I think that it's negative. If yes, you find something absolutely. out that you didn't know, unless it's like, your doctor is preparing you flowers for your uh-huh. next visit. Yes, that's nice. Whoa. And so and that's, that's, that, that definitely could be a negative because, again, if you did this for teachers and there was something that a lot of people, especially maybe, maybe in our Bible Belt or in a certain part of the country that they didn't like, suddenly nobody wants that teacher. And yeah. you have an influx of emails to the administrators saying, I don't want my kid in there. Why don't you want your kid in there? Well... Because they like to watch The Bachelor, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, <laughs> and so <laughs> I know it, that's it, your favorite that could, show too. <laughs> that could definitely be an issue, you know, people getting too judgy, and then for for not not good reasons, right? And then you're locked out of the market for, mm-hmm. for whatever, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So interesting, yeah. How do doctors die, Travis? How do doctors die? <laughs> the same way we do. <laughs> <laughs> well. Not exactly. Yeah? They uh, they are all taken up in chariots of fire. Wow. Yeah, pretty amazing. Huh. That's why that's why it's so expensive to become one. You got to <laughs> wow. pay those those chariot rents. fees. That's a chariot <laughs> fees. Yes. Hmm. Uh, so I've talked about this article before and this concept before, but I haven't really dissected or jumped into it too deeply yeah. on this show. Uh, this article is called How Doctors Die. Subtitle, Showing Others the Way, by Dan Gorenstein. Gorenstein. It's on the New York Times, and I'll link everything like I always do. Yep. Um, Basically, the article talks about um, end-of-life care and treatment for some chronic uh, or terminal illnesses. So they talk a lot about cancer. um, Yeah. And the treatment for cancer often is chemotherapy, which can have crazy effects on you know, it can cure the cancer or, or send it into a recession, remission, yes. sorry, yes. but uh, recession. Can you tell I'm a <laughs> finance guy? <laughs> uh, can send it into remission, mm-hmm. but can also have negative effects on your quality of life. Oh, absolutely. So I'll read what this article says. Okay. At least some snippets of it. Yeah. Uh, more than 50% of people spend their final days in hospitals, often in intensive care units, tethered to machines and feeding tubes or in nursing homes, as opposed to uh, only a third of patients who die at home surrounded by the people who love them, which is what almost everybody says they want. Yes. So where is that disconnect? Um, and do doctors circumvent that because they see behind the, the medical process? They understand the mm-hmm. probabilities of treatments and the effectiveness of treatments, right? Yeah. So it goes on to say there's no statistical proof that doctors enjoy a better quality of life before death than the rest, but that they are better planners. Uh, Of the 765 doctors studied in this study, 64% had advanced directives compared with 47% for your average American adult over 40. Uh, Yeah. So it's an interesting concept to think that – and essentially what that means is that they're they're saying no – to treatments yes. that could potentially save their lives. Okay. But have... or, or living the last part of their life on that, that ventilator. That's right. Okay. That's right. You know what's, what, in, in this, you know, I, I just love it when our stuff connects. Going back to um, the last little part we talked about, the in one of the in one of our TED Talks, the Leanna Wynn talks mm-hmm. about, I think it was her mother who died, and um, her mother was also a doctor, and she had a very specific... Um, said of what she wanted. She had planned ahead. She said, I don't want to be on those machines. Uh-huh. And when her mother got to that point, um, she told the doctors, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
there was a a big fight against that. The doctors pushed for it and pushed and pushed and you know even said some very uh, harsh things like you know are you are you willing die, to t- yeah. are you willing to tell your twelve year old sister that you let your mother die right. and she could have lived for you know right and, I, and that's that's kind of a tricky place is that is that the doctor's place to say that but on the other hand what you know are the doctors maybe trying to protect something do they have you know what you know do they have I don't want to say quotas but statistics on how many people patients die in their hospital or if they if they use the procedures or you know um are they you know will they look bad if they do just let a patient die right um so it's definitely uh, that would be a hard call and as a doctor would you not would you want to you know do they push patients to try to do those things to keep them alive as long as possible well and you know this this is kind of popping up in our culture right now i didn't plan to talk about this but it's kind of relevant it's highly relevant, I guess I should say, um, is the right to the right to die, you know? Yeah. Uh, and recently there was the young woman who had some sort of terminal brain tumor and she decided how her last day was going to go. And, yeah. you know, assisted suicide is one thing. Um, denying treatment is another, you know, probably lesser level than uh-huh. saying today I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, but either way, you need to have that conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. So another another thing that this talked about was one of the doctors involved in the study said that things could change if doctors quote respect patient preferences and provide fair information about their prognosis and treatment choices. Yeah. And that goes back to that That's transparency. What you, were talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, this chemotherapy has a I don't know, 1% success rate. Uh-huh. But it's a pretty much 90% success rate that they are going to be sick, that their yeah. hair is going to fall out, that yeah. they're going to be emaciated and yeah. uh, you know, not hungry or healthy, yeah. that they'll be cranky and uh, you know, is that 1% chance to live another 2 years worth yeah. sacrificing 6 months of a of good life with yeah. your family. Well, and and what what some of this kind of connects to too is, you know, in, in going back to doctors are I don't I don't like the word push, but they're pushing these treatments on people, but they're they're not necessarily as willing to to do them. Is that kind of what this brought to? I mean, yeah, you know, not not as many doctors will be willing to go through chemo. Is that part of this? Yeah, I think that uh, it's less about not willing to go through it. Like, oh man, I'll prescribe this, but I'm not going to touch it myself. It's more of that they understand because they're living. They just in understand it. the the they understand okay. the risks, yeah. the upsides, and the downsides. Yeah. And so one of the People in this article, uh, their mother-in-law was yeah. – uh, so it's the daughter that's dying. It's this guy's wife. Okay. Both people of this couple couple are doctors. Okay. So the wife doctor is dying, and the husband doctor is trying to explain to the family that she has chosen not to do chemotherapy yeah. because she understands it. <laughs> and the mother-in-law is looking at it as um, – as a, as a lay person, as a normal per- person yeah. and saying, well, if there's even the smallest glimmer of hope that my daughter can survive, that your <laughs> wife can survive, yes. wouldn't she want to do it? No. Yeah. You know? and, th- and that's, that's... And she's, she's thought about it and had that uh-huh. conversation and, with her loved ones. And... and maybe that conversation should be more, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty delicate conversation. But on the other hand, maybe that should be more known to a, a, a slightly smaller or larger circle within your family. Sure. So that there isn't that issue. Sure. I think, uh, you know, of course, I have to tie in my my thing that I always tie in. Economics. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that people plan really poorly. Yeah. Um, and so I think that they don't plan their finances well. I don't think that they plan 
their you know estates well. I don't think that they plan their physical deaths yeah. well necessarily. Uh, and you know, anytime you have a taboo around a topic, you don't yeah. have good discretion. You don't have good results yeah. that come out of that topic. And so when you're not allowed to talk about people's finances or people's yeah. health or end of life care, then you don't have good results and you're surprised by it because and these are realities and, of life. And that, and, you know, and I would imagine too, that those times create a lot of issues. I mean, you have two or three siblings and the mother's about to die and one knows because she had that conversation with her that, that she doesn't want this. And the other two maybe weren't as close, just didn't ever have the conversation that could cause some serious. And then that mother dies. Right. That's that. That's some big deal between the family, right? right. So, so, and here I think just to tie it back with what we've talked about, I think transparency is huge, and I think yep. it's hard for, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. Doctors are people too, yeah. And while they see death and they see treatment and they yeah. see these things, um, they have emotions as well, and they realize yeah. how hard it is to sit in front of a patient who's being told, even if we do this treatment, your mom has a ten percent chance yeah. of living. That's tough. One, and I would imagine there might be sometimes too, and the doctors are maybe some of the thoughts are just simple as, I could explain this to you, but you won't get it. That's right. You know, and so I'm going to just kind of give you what I feel is the best option. Because there again, which is their discretion. Yeah, and 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 I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's that's, and it's a part that that makes sense because if they had to, I already I already had to wait long enough for doctors. If they had to explain that much more every 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 choice they're making or providing. <laughs> right. That could cost some serious wait time. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the last thing I'll, the last thing I'll read is that, uh, and this kind of ties both of the topics together again, uh, Nicholas Christakis, Yale sociologist in his book, Death Foretold, which is a pretty, you know, metal title uh-huh, for a book. Pretty awesome. Uh, he said that few physicians even offer patients a prognosis. And when they do, they don't do a great job. Uh, he argues that the predictions are overly optimistic with doctors being accurate 20% of the time. Hmm. And so whether it's that they don't know the real uh, likelihood of something okay. or whether it's that they can't stomach telling this family yes. clearly in an obvious manner that your mother is going yeah. to die. We can try to do this and save her, but it's very unlikely to work and they, it's going to cause her a lot of pain. And they want to get, or they want to give hope and they want to, you know, right. you have a, you have a, five percent chance of living and so i don't want that on your shoulders so we give you hope sure. and then that last part of your life is hopeful, sure yep yep also true and there's placebo <laughs> effect there uh-huh is chemotherapy more effective if people are you know if they, they believe it's that it's going to work it yeah. gets it gets psychological and not just medical at that point yep so huh well adam how do you want to die <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's so Asking many ways. Asking the heavy questions. <laughs> um, I mean, I, is is it bad for me to go with the easy one? No, no sleeping. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, go to sleep one night and not get up. There you go. After I'm at least two hundred. Like, man, I feel really <laughs> rested. <laughs> man, these are some crazy dreams I'm having here. So I've always said that I want to die in either, you know, the the standard <clears throat> peaceful method, yeah. or something that's like totally newsworthy, you know, yeah. like uh, like caged lion let free on airplane <laughs> killed three passengers yeah. like one one passenger fought the lion and yeah. killed it with his bare hands yeah. but then couldn't land the plane you know that i want that to be me but see i, I would like it to be newsworthy but quick 
All right, you fair know. enough. So I, I jumped in front of somebody. You know, there was a shooter, and I jumped in front of a school bus full of, you know, small, highly intellectual children that were guaranteed right. to be you Mince, know, great Mince leaders. members. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I jumped in front and got shot straight in the head, instant death, no pain, but yeah. I saved all our lives. And the maybe the bullet went through my skull, ricocheted off the back, went back out, shot Shot the shooter in the head, so I good. also took yeah, him out. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. So something like that. Instant yeah. vengeance, right? Yeah, that's so. good. Okay. Maybe it went in my ear so it doesn't mess up my face. <laughs> right, because you, you want to look good for the open casket, <laughs> yeah. for sure. No, I'm getting cremated. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Why is that? One of the things is financial. I, I feel silly to spend so much on uh, funerals, hmm. um, burial and all that stuff. I just, it'll be, I'm, if you bury me in a casket... Number one, I, this, let's be honest here, and maybe you disagree with me. Um, after my kids are gone, nobody's gonna visit me. That's gonna be, yeah. I'm gonna be, you know, You're fifty years. Space, I'm completely yeah. gone. And you know, even the, even with our great, you know, amazing caskets and all those things, however many hundred years, few hundred years, it's gonna be dust anyways. Yeah. So why not be dust now? Fair enough. Feed the lions so Simba can live. You know, so the <laughs> the I'll feed the grass so that the. What did they eat? Yeah, circle of life. Yeah, so that the gazelles can so eat the gazelles grass. The gazelles can eat so <laughs> Simba can take out Scar. That's what I want to be a part of, man. And there you have it. How Adam Perry wants to die. But until then, we'll keep bringing you quality podcasts. But I promise. I, promise I, I will not die until I have at least 2,000 episodes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we should calculate that out and see how long we'll I'm gonna hold. I'm going to hold you to that, man. <laughs> 24 a year-ish. Yeah. So <laughs> 2,000 divided by 24 is it's about 83. <laughs> I just did that in my head. <laughs> People can always tell. <laughs> I guarantee it. Because <laughs> we're always laughing like idiots after, yeah. after like, there's a calculation that we ask and then come 2, up 2,000 divided by 24 is <laughs> 83. Yeah. So we I have 83 more that. years. That's, I need to go. Okay. That's... Podcasts will be like just beamed straight into your head at that point. Yeah, I know. That's what's kind of sad too. Is I mean, how much longer podcasts even going to be kind of like the popular thing? Well, I hope that they're around a long time, Adam, (laughs) so that we can keep doing this. This Great. We're gonna be that weird old, old, old dudes in IHOP like recording on these exact same (laughs) microphones, and they're like, "What are you doing? We're we're making a podcast." What is that? A podcast. Leave us alone. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> this is my off. <laughs> your, your computer's not even on. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, on to episode 14 next time. Yeah. Um, 2,000 more to go. Check out the website, but uh, we're going to keep saying it until we get it. Rate us. Yep. Email us. I, you know, I was reading somewhere that one of the best things to get your podcast more liked is is to use the comments from uh, your listeners. So if you have an idea for a episode or for a segment, let us know. There you go. Because we'll most likely do it. Ears open. Don't shoot at them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>